Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing The Sweetest Candy by Karloff, featuring my pal Nathaniel Murray on vocals. Let's hear more about that now. Uh, I was born in Newfoundland, uh, Canada in a small town called Grand Falls, Windsor. Um, it's, it's, it's quite small, um, especially at the time. Uh, my mom was very, very young when she had me and, um, uh, left my father shortly after, um, pretty much right when I was born. And my stepdad came into the picture when I was about two years old. And he's from an even smaller town in Newfoundland, uh, Coachman's Cove. It's, a uh, yeah, like, I think like a hundred people live there or something at the time. And it's even less now. It's like really, um, really remote. Um, and then shortly, shortly after, um, my parents got together, um, like my stepdad and my mom, uh, we moved to Ontario, um, to a town called Burlington. Um, and then, then I've been kind of like bouncing around, um, different parts in Burlington and then we moved to Cambridge and I lived there until about uh, a month ago. And now I'm in Kitchener, which is 15 minutes from Cambridge. So. Oh, okay. I, for some reason I thought that you were um, like in Hamilton or, or near uh, Toronto. I don't, I don't know why. I guess that's just because like everybody that we know mutually is, you know, from like around there, like, and I thought that you used to, um, I thought that you used to be a, a part of Zegama Beach, like you used to help like distro at shows or something. Was that not? Yeah. So I'm like, even Kitchener is like 40 minutes from Hamilton and like an hour from Toronto. Oh, okay. And an hour from London and like an hour from, it's like 30 minutes from Guelph. So it's like super central. We can get anywhere in Ontario or like, you know, the Southern Ontario hub pretty easily. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I go to all like the new friends shows and stuff in Toronto, like every time that happens and I was in Hamilton for all like the, the later Zegma beach stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I love that when like there's, I mean, that's kind of like where I live, uh, except I'm, I'm get, I'm guessing that like it's, it might be bigger than, you know, what you were describing where you lived at, at first. But, um, it's like, I just live, I don't live in a major city, but I can get to lots of major cities like pretty easily, like not an hour, but like I can be in Chicago in a couple hours. I can be in Milwaukee in a few hours, you know, like, and, um, I don't actually live anywhere. That's like just ridiculous traffic and super expensive and stuff, you know? So 
I don't know. I love that. I love that. Um, so as far as, uh, as far as your family goes, like, were you an only child? Um, we, I have a brother who's eight years younger than me. Oh, okay. And yeah, um, my mom had me when she was 18. And then, um, the next one's my brother who was eight years later. And then, uh, my six sister, I have point difference with, so they had like a kid every decade, which is pretty uncommon. Yeah. So you don't like, so do you, do you not know your, that, like a between us, but it's, yeah. You, know, you Do you know your sister very well? Like, ha, like she, she's pretty young still. Yeah. So she's four right now. Oh, okay. Three or four. Okay. I think I'm, I'm really bad with that. stuff. Yeah. I didn't know if you um, said that cause there was a little bit of like interference or whatever. I didn't know if you said that, but yeah, it's, I also had like a sort of like a, I I mean, it wasn't a surprise to anybody else, but, you know, like later when I was like an adult and then I have like a younger brother and it's like, oh, this is, you know, weird, but cool. Um, and I, but I mean, he, he, he's, he's a bit like he's, he's grown by now, you know, but uh, <laughs> I, I was trying not to like, I was trying not to say like how old. He must be, cause I don't, I don't want to say like. <laughs> this is funny to no one else. How I'm like trying to not say how old I am, um, but yeah, like uh, that. I always, I think that's really interesting. Like, I always had a ton of fun with my youngest brother. Like, um, I remember like just like singing like songs um, with him and stuff, and um, and he just had. I don't, I don't know. He just had this like larger than life personality for such a little, you know, such a young person. Um, but yeah, as far as your brother goes, um, eight years is kind of pushing it as far as like being into the same things and stuff. But did y'all get along like when you were growing up? Um, yeah, like we got along. Um, it's, he spent a lot of time in the hospital. Um, Cause he had like a heart, a heart condition when he was born. So he's had like five heart surgeries. Um, oh, so wow. he's like, when he was like really young before he was, you know, f like, I think like eight, seven or eight was his final, was his last heart surgery. He's like 17 now, but so it's been a while, but, um, yeah, like our family spent a lot of time in Toronto, just like at, um, sick kids hospital um, for my brother. So we could have, yeah. yeah. Um, so there wasn't, he had a very different childhood. And I think that I did too. I was in like, you know, preteens at that point. Um, so it's like, yeah, I'm kind of just like running around this hospital as like a fairly healthy person, um, like playing with all these kids. And it's like, yeah, it was just a def definitely an odd experience. There's actually like a nurse there who, um, I got an iPod for Christmas. We spent Christmas in the hospital one time and, uh, this nurse loaded up my iPod with like a bunch of music that I liked. Um, so I would just like sit in the corner of a hospital room listening to, you know, Alexis on fire and stuff. <laughs> okay. The nurse knew like Alexis on fire and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like her, her, 
I think her her partner at the time or something was really into music, and I told her that I like you know like System of a Down and Some Forty One and like stuff like that, and uh, so she just loaded up an iPod with like everything alternative that I guess her partner had on iTunes. Um, so I found like a lot of music like that. Um, m- most of it I don't really remember now. Um, but yeah, that's how I found like Arcade Fire and like Alexis on Fire. Um, this is the most like unique origin story I've heard so far out of like, this is the 90, 97th episode. <laughs> like this is, this is the most unique origin story for real. Like your connection to like, the stuff that you'd later be in bands like emulating and like your label releasing was like this nurse who just like hooked up your iPod was like, check this shit out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's odd. It, it comes from like a lot of places. It's, it's weird. I, I think I, I, I never really thought of that, uh, that situation as like formative, but I guess it definitely is. Oh yeah. I mean, you you gotta like you you gotta take that first step you know like with me it was like kids that we skated with and you know and uh thrasher mags tony hawk pro skater you know soundtracks etc which you know i'm sure you like you also you know um are familiar with the uh the latter of those my first step first step was definitely like skateboarding and like tony hawk and then from there it was like branching out for sure yeah yeah is that um is that like what you were like into when you were younger then like um skating and and stuff like that or did you get into other kinds of things yeah it was like this is video games skateboarding um like i fell into music really early um i was talking to dave on on his open mind podcast about the the tony hawk stuff just like finding other kids who were into skateboarding and Tony Hawk and like just talking about music and then finding, um, much music, um, which is like this Canadian, um, channel that would play music videos all the time. Uh-huh. And, um, so yeah, this, this kid who was like also into Tony Hawk, we would just like talk about that stuff and he showed me much music. Um, he's like, Oh, there's this band like some 41, uh, that you would really like if you like the music in Tony Hawk. And so I would like to stay up, you know, all night trying to like find something really cool on this channel. Um, and yeah, like that's, that's how like Blink-182 came into my life and all that stuff. Um, yeah. which is like very, you know, I was like eight years old ish, eight, nine. So I think it came quite early for me just to be like interested in music. Um, that along with like listening to like some of my dad's CDs, like Smashing Pumpkins and, Guar and just like weird stuff that he had laying around. What was what was the Guar album that your dad had that you were rocking? Uh, Scum Dogs of the Universe. Oh yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, classic. Yeah, yeah, of course. I like we we were like my cousin and I were definitely on them from Hello. Like we were on them from the get go. But like Scum Dogs, we were just like it just like the playing and like the theatrics just went to the next level and we were just like oh shit um but yeah um yeah i i i have a i have a a a a kid that's like uh 11 now and i 
I don't think I'd play him scum dogs just yet, uh, <laughs> but I was definitely listening to it like younger than that, which is kind of funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like I don't think it's something that he like uh, actively but wanted to do. I think yeah, he yeah, yeah. Had like a because like my parents weren't really into music at all. I wasn't uh, making a young. judgment call, by the way. It was just like <laughs> something I just thought of in passing, you know. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. It's kind of a like I think I brought it up, like year, like probably a couple years ago now. Just being like, oh, like yeah, you had the Guar scenes. Like I never liked Guar. What are you talking about? And I'm like, well, I got the CD from you. I didn't buy it. I was like, I learned it from watching you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's wild. Like, because I don't know. You know, my philosophy on that kind of thing is like, uh, is like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like if. If my kid came up to me and was like, yeah, have you heard of this band called Guar? I wouldn't be like, you're not supposed to be listening to Guar, you know? Like, but it's not just something I'd be like, check this out, you know? Like, <laughs> so it's like a, it's one of those things. It's like, well, you know, now that you know about it, let's talk about it. But um, it's not, it's not like, well, you're 10 now. It's time for you <laughs> to learn about Odorous, you know? Um <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. I mean, I don't know, you know. I don't know. Like, I always, like, you know, it was like, there was a time uh, when my oldest was really young and we had Phoenix Bodies play my house. And I, I had to go and um, I had to chat with them. I was like, so I understand there's usually a fair bit of nudity when y'all play, which is like, fine i'm not here to like censor you or anything but what i do need to know is if that's going to happen like because i have like a four-year-old kid and i don't like i need to get him out of there before that happens so i was like because i don't know the rules about like adults being naked and you know i was like but i don't think it's okay so uh <laughs> and they're like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I get it, and I'm like, okay. So, when y'all play, you will not see me because I will be upstairs with my kid. And then, when the music comes back on, then or when the music's done, then yes, please put your clothes back on before you go anywhere. Thank you. Uh, but uh, I don't I don't know. Not so not a conversation I ever expected to have, but it was one that did happen. Um, Maybe I'm some kind of square. I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I made the right call. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming your dad never had Phoenix Bodies over the house to play. No, absolutely uh, not. <laughs> um, but uh, there would have been toilet paper to clean up if if he did. Um, but, um, yeah, you said you were, like, interested in music. Um, did you start, like, were you already fantasizing about, like, playing in bands or were you playing like an instrument in school band or anything like that no it, like it all felt like really inaccessible to me and mm -hmm. even until high school like i didn't really know that you could do that um and then like when i met some some friends in high school who were like playing music i'm like hey like let me let me yell on your uh, over your shitty noise riffs and like whatever um but yeah, it was like pretty late until I started like my first real band. Like my first actual band is Karloff. Oh really? Um, which was yeah, which was only like four years ago. So mm -hmm. I was like twenty two. 
um, before I really got serious about it. And before that, it was just like noise music and um, really like piss take, just garbage. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said you felt it, it, that it, it seemed really like inaccessible. Like, um, <clears throat> was it, was there like a lot? Like you said, you did meet some people eventually that were playing, but like, was it a lack of people that you knew that were playing like at first that made it feel inaccessible? Or was it like just this idea that like, you know, there's some level of like skill you have to have or connections you have to have, something like that? I think it was a bit of both. Like until I got to high school, well, no, I guess even a bit before that, like there were there were like older people I knew that were playing in bands, like just post hardcore and like metalcore stuff. Um, like at the time, just what was popular then, I guess. Uh, but they were still all like older, and I was like, oh, this is so cool! Like you, you guys are in bands, you guys play shows, and the scene around here was actually like pretty big. Like you can see like a couple hundred kids at like a high school show mm-hmm. for like a sh- shitty metalcore band. Um, but um that was like just a bit later like i think i got into it around the same time as like i guess most people would get into you know being in an actual band which would be like high school um mine was just a later high school Mm -hmm. um i i I do think like i picked up a guitar when i was young probably like 10 and i like couldn't do anything and i didn't um like put the time in or like i've got even now like i've got no rhythm like i'm not really good at music so um, back then it was just like really frustrating. So I gave it up pretty quickly. Um, and then I'm like, Oh yeah, like you have to be like really good to like do the band thing. Uh, yeah. So yeah. You said that the couple hundred people might come out to a show like where you lived. And it was that kind of like, was that because there wasn't really anything else to do? Yeah. And like, there's a lot, there's a lot of high school bands here. Like a lot of people in like, you know, like 16 year olds had bands just like metalcore bands so they can go out and party and like play venues. And like, I'm pretty sure that like the bar here sold alcohol to underage kids. Like oh, I'm no. almost positive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, they're not around anymore, but it was like a pretty formative place for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, the people I hung out with never really did that. But like, I don't know. It, it, it was like, it all always seemed like there was something going on. Like every couple weeks there would be like, like a metalcore show with like touring bands and like, um, like high school kids opening up. Like there's like a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in Southern Ontario. I think we're in like a bubble too. Um, like, so you get a lot of like London bands and Hamilton bands and stuff coming through, at least at the time, like all the metalcore stuff was a pretty, pretty tight scene. So you could like see a lot of music, which was, and it was like, all pretty standard like breakdown shit so like high school kids could play that kind of music and they could play it like pretty well i would say um so there's just like a lot going on but i never really had an interest in like playing a band like that the first time i got like serious about it was just um kind of just being like the emphasis to that stuff just like making noise projects just like you know every like what you're doing is kind of dumb
do you feel like the shows that you were going to at that time, like the metalcore shows and stuff like that, like, do you feel like that's way different that, like, not just in like a, in like the vibe or whatever of the show, but do you feel like when you were going to those shows, it was kind of like, this is cool. This is like a fun thing to do as opposed to like, maybe now the shows that you go to feel more like a community. Like, was it, was it not quite what you were looking for is, is what I'm trying to get at, I guess. Or like, were you still like thinking there must be, there must be something else or. At the time, not really. It, It was weird because when that, when that venue closed down, like everybody's band broke up. Oh, wow. Like, it, it, it like just destroyed the scene entirely. Um, and then there was like other stuff going on um, in like Kitchener and Waterloo at the time, which was like kind of inaccessible for me because I was young and I didn't drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, at the time I thought it was the greatest thing on the planet. And then like later when like the scene kind of died out and like, you know, people were like shifting gears and I guess the more like, like Touche Amore style music was like coming out. Um, you know, that kind of spoke to me a lot more. I was like, Oh, this is like way more, way more my style mm-hmm. just like sonically. Right. But I, I think even as a kid, like it felt like pr- pretty communal. Oh, um, okay. Like I would say like most, of, most, if not all of those kids don't make music anymore. And they're like, not, they're not a part of any scene. They don't really care. Yeah, um, there's a couple of people that I still like keep in contact with occasionally, but yeah, um, everyone's dropped out pretty quickly once they like graduated high school and like moved on. I think it was just a way for them to like hang out with their friends and just do something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't ever really think it was like about the music, um, which is fine. You know, I'm like really glad to have that experience because like I, I was like, you know, helping promote those shows and like you know meeting a lot of people. Um, that's how I became friends with like most of the people I'm friends with today it was just like hanging out at their shows and then, you know, graduating from there and being like more interested in different types of music. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was like, I don't know. I, you know, I was, I was trying to ask the question in, in some kind of way that wasn't exactly like clear, but that's what I was like, you know, usually like when you talk, start talking to people's experience about like the first like DIY show or they went to or whatever they're like I just knew I had to be a part of this and let it seemed like you know you were talking about like things feeling inaccessible to you and stuff like that maybe there was some you know disconnection between you and like you as a member of um sort of the audience and the people in the bands, but I guess that wasn't necessarily the case. Like, since you said you were like, excuse me, like putting, helping them like promote and do flyers and everything like that. It's just like, it's just not quite the same as like what you would, you know, be doing like later. Like you just, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, It's like getting into booking shows and like doing the label thing. It's like, uh, being involved in high school definitely helped. Um, like, so, like I mean, back then I was like selling tickets. Like, I go around like 
school and like, hey, give me fifteen dollars and come to the show, or like, give me fifteen dollars and don't come to the show. I don't care. Just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. that's wild. Um, yeah. yeah, but you said you said that you know Karloff was your first like serious band or whatever. But did you have like you said you kind of like did some stuff before that? Like, I mean, I know you you know, said it wasn't really that serious or anything, but did you play any shows or whatever before Karloff? Like, um, yeah, I played like some noise shows, just like circuit bent keyboards and like pedals and smashing, you know, metal things together and just okay. being like, you know, kind of more like performance art, um, just like getting as loud and abrasive as possible. Okay. But before Karloff, that was the only, that was the only kind of show you played, like was like th- that type of show. Like, Karloff yeah, was, like, your like, first, like, full band situation? We had, like, a noisy grind bit, like, a drums, uh, drums, guitar, and, like, me doing noise. Um, I had that. We played, like, one show, but it was, like, terrible, so we didn't really do it again. Um, but, like, on my end, it was always noise. Like, I never really did anything. Like, I would, like, scream and, like, go nuts, uh... But yeah, it's definitely not the same kind of stuff. Yeah. And how, like, how would you say, like, what do you think, like, the difference in how, like, um, like, what were the difference, different, like, takeaways for you, like, as far as, like, one situation where you're playing like a noise show and then like a full band show what like what were the differences in like the way they made you feel or like how you like what you felt like you got out of it in either case i used to think doing noise and like just like going completely ballistic was cathartic and it was you know a release and then when i started like doing actual vocals and like writing it and like, like writing words and like really caring about it. I realized that that was way more emotionally fulfilling than, um, just kind of smashing stuff together and like yelling about wanting to die. You know, it's just like the, the band thing definitely provided what I was looking for in noise. And now like after going back and I still do noise stuff, but I'm approaching that way differently. Um, like that stuff's not as like cathartic anymore. It's more um, thought out. Like I'm definitely more into like creating weird sounds now, as opposed to um, the performance aspect of it. Um, and like, I mean, we did a sh- I did a show with some friends like uh, a few days ago, and there was definitely like a performance aspect to it. But that's not what I was doing. I was doing like more soundscapey stuff in the background which is definitely more my focus after being in a band. I realized that like, you know, the, the, the real emotional connection for me is like writing and getting to, you know, say something important. Yeah. Uh, instead of just like completely letting loose and just letting your mind go. I've never been like a good improv person. It takes me a long time to get, uh, to get my thoughts together. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like I have, <clears throat> I have like split thoughts on like on this concept like which you're 
it's not exactly what you're describing, but like it reminds me of when you are just like, I mean, I don't know how other people do it, but like if I am, if I'm writing lyrics to something, sometimes I'll just like hit record and, um, and I'll just scream something like over the track and then I'll listen to it back. And like, so I'm like, okay, I, um, I, um, I like the cadence that I had going here. And so I'll try to build something around that or whatever. But so the thing is like, it's kind of like what you were describing where you're just feeling the music and you're just screaming nonsense. And there's a way, there's a way that makes you feel. And it's like, I really enjoy that, but like, it's not the same as when you like are delivering something that like you are feeling like emotionally, you know, like you, <coughs> you are, um, you know, you took the time to write the words and you're, you're like aiming the words like at the music, you know? Um, yeah. but yeah, I could see that being similar. How you just like, you're talking about just like, you're just going for it and you're just like, you know, uh, yelling. And I mean, that's how, like I did, I did vocals for Gas Up Your Hearse for a little while um, at their live shows because their vocalists were like all out of state. So for like a few months, I was like um, doing vocals for them. And it was, it was similar because like I didn't know their lyrics. So I would be like, well, today's set is about this. And I would just go from there. And it was like really cool and fun, but like um it was different than like knowing what you're going to do and being able to ramp up or ramp down like not just your performance but like your own state of mind you know based on that as well um yeah but yeah um so i guess you kind of like started the label really before you uh, started the band or was it kind of at the same time or? It was kind of at the same time. Like the label, again, it's just like small noise releases and one-offs and like just some dumb, some dumb like compilations and, and things like that. Um, but then it only really became uh, like a real like music label um, when Carlos started. Like the first label release uh, technically, like the, this current iteration of the label is the first Karloff demo. Mm-hmm. So, like, we kind of started the band just to, like, bring cool bands in. Um, that was my intention, at least. Like, I want to be a band that fits with, like, what I want to see in this region. Mm-hmm. So let's start a band and then open for, you know, bands we love. And then when other people start bands, we can, you know, stop and... That didn't really happen, so we haven't stopped. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not that's not what that's not what we haven't stopped. But uh, well, at this point, you're yeah, in, kinda... you're in too deep anyway. You know, you're like, well, <laughs> yeah. we made a record and we actually are proud of it, and we we have enjoyed this. So it's like uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to come up with a better excuse to to wrap it up at that point. Um, 
Yeah. You have to start drama, start a start an internet beef with your own band, just so. Um, that's silly, uh, but um, yeah. Um, so how did you like? How did you go from like you? You know, you're just kind of like releasing what you described as like, you know, like um, little like noise releases or whatever to like, you're like, well, we're going to start this band because we want to have cool bands come and play with us um, to like, how'd you decide, oh, okay, I'm going to expand this into like, I'm just going to message cool bands that I like and see what's up like um what what exactly like made you decide to take it that like further level uh it was like because i was doing um like destroying zegma beach stuff mm-hmm. um while i was doing the noise releases mm-hmm. while dave was in new zealand so when dave moved back to bc i was like well he's back in canada there's no point in me running this from Ontario and have him do that in BC. So, um, I kind of like shipped Dave all his records back and I was like, well, now that Zegna Beach is not really part of my life, it would be cool to do my own thing in the same vein. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, that was it. Just like, just the shift. Cause if I found a band before, I think I would just send it to Dave yeah, and it's not that I found a band that Dave didn't know because Dave knows everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, so it just like you just it was just in your blood at that point. You just were like, this is a cool, like this is a fun thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, I was like really excited on the idea of like not having to deal with like Dave's hundreds of releases too, and like all the distros. <laughs> Like putting out like small cassettes, I can kind of like grow into this. I don't have to, you know, handle like a ton of stuff at once and just be super overwhelmed all the time. Yeah. I was like really excited at that idea. Like having a, a release limited to like 50 was like an awesome, <laughs> like instead of like a release limited to 200 or a release limited to 10, I was like, let's find a common ground here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. It's wild. Like, <clears throat> Like, one of my first bands did a seven inch with it was like a thousand copies, and it's like, and they're like, Whoa. they're like nearly, you know, they they nearly like so all sold, like, you know, between a few tours, and it's like, that's so absurd to think about now. It's like it, it's just absurd. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's. <clears throat> I don't know. I definitely have found that like it's I just um I don't know if this is part of your like philosophy as well, but you know, I was chatting with someone about this um a little bit ago and it and it's you know, because um the in a way like you know, promoting a physical release is like it feels very um it feels very like i have a very guilty feeling about it to to an extent like it's like everybody that i kn- know i mean 
of course, I don't mean everyone, but like a lot of folks that I know, like, you know, like money is not easy for people, you know, like, um, finances are like hard for lots of folks. And like, I, I've, I'm there way more often than I would like myself. And, um, so it's like being like, oh yeah, you know, how about $15 for this, this, uh, LP or whatever is, is like, it feels like a lot to ask to put this out there all the time, you know? And so like um it's i found that doing s- smaller releases is like really i, I feel great about it cuz i'm like well like the music is there like please enjoy the music you know and um this thing exists as well if this means like so much to you that you that you like just have to have something but it's like no sweat if you don't sell them all. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that part of like, is that part of your philosophy as well or on doing like smaller? I I had a conversation about this um, today. Um, They were talking about how like cool it was that I was like kind of catering to like collectors as well as like music fans, Mm -hmm. like making stuff accessible and like really pushing digital and just like listen to this music and booking shows and all of this like you know really you know the the more accessible stuff but then on the other end putting out like super limited variants and like doing like these grand massive physical releases for things for all the nerds who want to you know Mm -hmm. be a part of that who can be a part of that so like I'm, i'm really on both sides of it it's like even like the environmental impact i think about all the time just like releasing just shitty plastic and like just mostly useless things. But you know, I have to just take a step back sometimes and remember that like if people get enjoyment from it, it's, it's worth it to a degree. Um, Cause like there's so much just garbage in the world. And if you can get some happiness from a weird colored record, then go for it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not like my my like little mission statement or whatever you would want to call that was not like a a condemnation of anything. It's it's just like you know because like I I I have a record at the plant right now. I mean, it's not like one of my bands, but you know, and we we did 500 of them and you know, uh like I'm still putting out records and stuff. It's just like there's certain things, you know, that you're just like, well, it's like you said, like, this is this little thing, like, if people really want it, like, it's there, but, you know, I, I don't feel pressured to, like, um, sell it to people, and I don't, and I think that it's, that it is cool for some people to just be like, I'm only one of ten people that have this, or whatever, you know, as well, so, um, so yeah, I don't know, that's, that's, like you said, that's the other end of that. But, um, yeah, um, so like, as far as, you know, your, your label at first, like you were just doing like a lot of, um, of, of tapes and comps and stuff, but like you've recently started putting out like vinyl and stuff. Like, did you, at first, were you just like, was that not something you thought about doing or, 
or was it just like um, something that you just decided that you would like step up to? Um, it was mostly like a financial decision. Like yeah. I wanted to see if I could, like if I could sell cassettes, um, and if people locally cared enough to buy cassettes and to come to shows and to like be a part of what I'm doing, then maybe I could make enough money to put out a record. And that's kind of what I did. Um, not to say I haven't like put my own money in this. Of course, it's like DIY label, and we all make no money at all. But um, it's been like pretty good with like turning over with releases. Like every release kind of pays for the next one to to a degree. Um, and like I had an opportunity to do that, like like some Merzbow releases, which that that guy sells. <laughs> yeah, it seems <laughs> it's, like uh, it, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So even like money from that is like would help a lot and you know it's I'm pretty happy about it because like someone big like that working with a smaller label really like opens up a lot of opportunity for us to do um other cool stuff and like maybe take some releases to the next step that they you know otherwise wouldn't have gotten to uh which is yeah it's it's cool i'm just like i feel comfortable doing it now that you know we're a little bit more established and i know we're going to you know, at least a couple records, um, as opposed to like jumping in right away. If we did like our 10th release on vinyl, I don't think it would have sold as well as waiting this long to, to go bigger with it. And like, I just didn't have the money. Either like I was going to school, you know, now I'm a little bit more financially stable and I like feel comfortable doing it. As far as Karloff goes, how did you meet everyone in the band, and how did the band get started? Um, Alberto, I know from high school. Um, 
we we've always done stuff together um you know ever since we met we were kind of just like really good friends um and then we met marcel going to shows um in toronto like zbr shows and they were also living in kitchener at the time so we'd see them at house shows around here just like punk stuff and we just got along really well over noise um so we started this you know noise project thing um and then at the same time ourselves like oh i know a drummer we should do this real band um so we were like jamming with a drummer and then jamming this noise thing all together and then they kind of just like combined um and then we've been through like a few bass players and a few drummers now but um at the core of it's always been like the three of us um yeah like our our old drummer brought the the bass player the now bass player in um nico so and then that drummer left and my roommate uh jake joined who's in like dfc so okay yeah yeah so he's you know he's kind of stepping up and like doing drums now so uh yeah, it's like like a lot of members. There's been a, a couple more that I didn't mention, but I don't think it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too <early>. Okay, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So so like you know, it started kind of organically, like these these couple of things um, coming together, and um, and there's been some like members come and go over the years is that like um because like your first thing came out in like 2018 and then it was like there was like a live thing in 2019 and the split with Amity and I'm not sure if I said that right um but um and then your LP came out this year so was it like was it kind of where a situation where you were all feeling your way through like these changes and and then when the newest iteration came together that's when it felt right and time to like put down a group of songs for an lp um well jake isn't even on the lp it's um, oh, on okay. chris like a drummer before him so okay like it's it's all kind of it's all kind of weird and like half the songs are written by our current bass player and then we had like a fill-in bass player for a bit. And then we were like a four-piece for a while with Alberto playing bass. So like, and these are songs, two of the songs on the LP are on the demo. So two of these songs were written by two completely different people um, that just like formed into what they are now. Just people bringing their own flavor to it. Um, and just like, you know, grinding out the songs. Like we've been pretty much doing these 10 songs for three years now um just like working away and then having like a new person come in and then like having to like teach them everything and then like kind of rewrite parts and like rework things i think like really added um like an extra layer of like tenseness to it like okay it's hard to explain but i think like at the end of it all like the the lineup when we recorded the record um made sense to record the record and you know i wouldn't I wouldn't ever change that, but, um, yeah, it definitely would have been a different, a different thing if we had done it like a, a year or two prior with a different member uh-huh. or a year or two later. Because yeah, I guess it like, it kept it fresh too, like having to like, 
you know, make make it work with different people's sensibilities and stuff. Like it kept it. Yeah, of, I mean, it, it, more stress than anything else. Just <laughs> more like, stress. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, just I mean, even like wanting to get it out, like even because Marcel recorded the record too. Like we did it in our jam hall, and like with all of their own gear, they mixed it. Um, so it's pretty much like all DIY except for um, the, like the mastering and then like the music video. Um, it's pr- probably the only like two things that we didn't do ourselves. Like right before this call, I was even like stapling inserts and like numbering them, which is a terrible idea because there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. I just um, I don't really know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally know that feeling. And also like I have at different points just like paid one of my kids to help me, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's like there's these like really illegible numbers and you're like <laughs> now the uh, the handwriting was fine. It was probably better than mine, honestly. But um yeah. It's like, okay, you got one hundred or two hundred. Go. <laughs> um but yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, I mean, it's wild. Like when you, you know, when, if you sat down and you counted like what you do, like for the la- label, like if you like punched a time clock, you know, cause I've like, I've done this before. On, on like weeks, I've I've been like, okay, I'm gonna see how much time I spend doing this stuff on a week, and I've like basically I've been like, okay, I'm clocking in now, and I write down like what time it is, and then like once I'm done with whatever, then I write down, and like there was like a couple weeks during like last year when I was, I just had like tons of mail order where I was working like 70 hours a week, like doing the label. And it's like, you don't, you just don't even until you're doing it, like have a clue, like what, like you, you're packing records and you're like, I have 25 orders. You're like, that's no problem. What is that? A half an hour? You know? No, it's not a half an hour. <laughs> it's like four hours, five hours. Cause you like, you know, you're going to go find the records. Then you're going to pack them, make sure it's all whatever. Then you're going to like do the computer part of it. Then you're going to handwrite the little note. Then you're going to like, then you're going to tape it all up. Then you're going to write the address. Then you're going to like, you're going to, I mean, I kind of like will shake the package a little bit to make sure nothing sounds like it's moving around or anything weird, you know, like you, all these things, they just like add up. And the next thing you know, you're like, I, like in my case, it'd be like, I dropped my kids off for school or whatever. And then like, um, not last year, but like this year, like I dropped my kids off from school or whatever. I sent out all these records again. I'm going to go get my kids from school. It's like the whole day, like, and uh it's really wild like when you know when you like talk about like you know you're hand folding something you're cutting it and everything like because you <clears throat> you're like if you get like a price for that like for something that's like 
cut for you and stapled for you, collated and everything like that. It's it's like you're like shit. I can't afford that. You know, I'll do it myself. And then you just spend like way more time than you thought. But um, I don't know. It's it's part of the part of the charm of it as well. Um, how do you like decide like as far as your label goes? How do you decide like? how much of an art project is too much of an art project or have you come to that like threshold yet? Um, it depends on the release, like, yeah. and like my mental capacity at the time, I guess, like I'm, I'm really bad at saying yes to a bunch of things and then having them like pile up and then doing like a whole ton at once. Yeah. Like, like even right now, like I have something coming out on Friday that like, I haven't even started duping. Like I'm duping the car off tapes right now i'm like still working through like tons of pre-orders from months ago which like half of its pressing plant fault half half of it's my fault but uh yeah it's like i'm i'm i still really do not have that balance sometimes i'll go i'll go in on something and like make it this crazy special thing and then other times i'll like you know look back and wish i did a bit more with it because uh, like at the end of the day like everything should be special um, you know, I would like to think that like I care about every release, like equally. So yeah. it really look back at something and be like, oh man, like I, I I really wish I, you know, put more time into this. So it's kind of better to like, you know, hit it hard when the time comes. But yeah. then sometimes it takes too long. It's like you know, people. It sucks making people wait for their, for their records, and it sucks making bands wait. And be like, oh, I gotta do this like, crazy cool thing. Um, like for instance, Ultra Love. Like I got the records from the plant, and I'm like, okay, now that I have the records, I need to screen print the records and get the jackets done. And of course, like I want to do all this DIY. But you know, we sent it to the plant like months and months ago, and then it was even released digitally before that. So, mm-hmm. like, it's it's I, I find it super hard to find a balance between that stuff. I'll get there one day, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird too because you know on the other end of that there's always like somebody who like one of my friends like just you know one of my friends it's it's kind of funny I won't I won't put them on blast or anything but they um they drunk dialed me the other day and they're just like <laughs> we were just chatting and stuff it was pretty it was pretty awesome but like um they were like talking about how they basically were like Marked is probably my favorite record of yours. Like, I'm glad that it doesn't have some super weird packaging. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't have the time to think of it. Like, I wasn't going to release it on vinyl and then people wanted to. So I was like, okay, I already, I already went kind of ham on this artwork. Like, so I'll just adapt it to another um, medium, I guess, you know, and, uh, and go from there, especially cause like it was being pressed in Germany and that can be like, if I wanted to do something really ridiculous, like I can't ask somebody else like to do, you know what I mean? Like I can't yeah. be like, and then I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to cut it into an X and I want you to fold that 17 different ways. And I want you to write one letter on every one of the things. And then I want you to do this. Like you can't like, you, even if you could make, even if you could make yourself say, yeah, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to ask someone to do. Then like getting that information across is the other like 
impossibility, you know, like, so it was just like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll do this this way. And, um, so it's like, yeah, it's interesting to think like, you know, some people really just want the jacket and the insert and the record, and they just want it like that. Like you would get in a store. Uh, but then me, I always want to, like you said, I always want to do something else. I want to, I want to make it as, uh, is unique to its own thing as possible. And I always want to make some kind of art project out of it or something, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, there's, there's a, a preference for, you know, for everyone as far as that goes, I guess. Um, so now that, um, you know, the Karloff LP is out and, um, and, you know, you've done some, like you did Tired and Trustless with Tom last year. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any other projects that you're working on at the moment? Like, um, Nothing going on. Um, I'm going to like focus on some noise stuff um, for the next little bit and just kind of take a break from everything else. We had a band, like me, Jake, and Alberto had a band called Safty that we released a demo for, and we have some unreleased songs um that we're gonna throw on like a split or an ep um but i don't know if we're gonna like continue that band um there's gonna be another release but uh as far as like shows go we just did a couple and then kind of called it there um other than that nothing really plugging away at like getting these pre-orders out and focusing on the label a little bit more yeah for sure so what can people expect from the label coming up soon um, hopefully we can get, uh, the Supine record out to people soon. Um, we've got the Botfly record coming out in this month. Um, got Ultra Love coming out. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a Botfly Diana Crawls seven inch coming at some point when the plant, um, figures that out. Um, yeah, we've got a, the Bone Tower cassette. This is, this is a bunch bunch of stuff coming awesome all fun um one-eyed god prophecy tapes i finally finished duping so gonna paint those up and you know put those for sale probably in the next couple weeks and that was my conversation with nathaniel murray Thanks so much, Nathaniel, for taking the time to chat with me. Also, thanks for being patient while I get situated and am able to start doing new episodes. The messages I've gotten asking about the show have been well-received. Thank you. Until next time, take care and do good things.